Go. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday, May 10th edition of The Way with Anoa. I'm your host, Anoa Changa. Very happy to have you here with me on this lovely Tuesday evening. It's another primary day. Yay! These primaries, they must like me or something because they always happen on Tuesdays. I don't know. Or I... I'm goofy, but um, so far we don't really have any numbers for you guys, but from the text message I got, Bernie won West Virginia, go ears. Um, still wanting to keep an eye out and I'll, I'll periodically update you guys through the hour, um, if you get, like what the numbers are actually looking like, because the numbers do actually matter, right? How wide of a margin, what the final delegate count is going to look like for this evening. That stuff absolutely does matter in the grand scheme of you know, the race to the convention. Um, also want to keep an eye on the the, the Democratic um, governor race, right? Um, for those of you, I've mentioned it several times, I lived in West Charleston, West Virginia. I went to law school in Morgantown, West Virginia. I am an honorary mountaineer, um, spent, you know, a good portion of my formative time there. So I'm really interested in seeing who clinches that nomination this evening. Um, the three, the three main candidates running on the Dem side, or three candidates running on the Dem side, are Senator um, Kessler from the, the West Virginia State Senate, um, a leader in the Dem Party. He endorsed Senator Sanders. Um, the Attorney General Booth Goodwin. I'm a little biased because I've actually met Booth Goodwin and a good friend and mentor of mine is like the guy, his his son's godfather apparently. And um, shout out Trent Redmond, Trent Redmond Law. Um, Trent Redmond is has been a very like influential person for me personally. So he has gone so hard for Booth. And I've gotten to know Booth just as I met him, like I said, just in passing Boy Scouts. But that's such a really genuine and nice person. I think we talk about, you know, Senator Kessler or, you know, Attorney General. Um, I said Attorney General. He's not the Attorney General. He's the United States Attorney. <laughs> he recently stepped down to run for governor. My bad, excuse me all. He's not the Attorney General. The Attorney General is someone who I wish would get replaced very soon. But no, Booth Goodman was the United States Attorney for West Virginia, for the Southern District of West Virginia. So, um, there, forgive me everybody. But anyway, so it's gonna be really interesting. You know, I would love to see either of those two guys really pull it out on the Dem side. The other candidate running, why he's running as a Democrat, this is what's very interesting about, you know, Democrats. Uh, earlier today, uh, some followers on Twitter and I and Ben and others, you know, we had the witch blue hashtag, right? Uh, Jim Justice, Cole Barron, the only billionaire in the state of West Virginia is also running on the Democrat side for governor. Um, Jim Justice is a notorious Cole Barron. He has numerous mines in Kentucky, West Virginia and elsewhere that have violations all types of occurrences. It's, it's fascinating that he's running as a Democrat. I mean, West Virginia has a fascinating history, Democratic history to begin with. They're very, you know, the current um, governor considers himself a conservative Democrat. You have Senator Joe Manchin, who is allegedly a Democrat um, on paper anyway, who also considers himself a conservative Democrat. Uh, so really hoping people in West Virginia have been through a lot over the last several decades, right? I mean, I mean, people have been through a lot. There's a lot that's going on in West Virginia, you know, in terms of we saw with Senator Sanders and Secretary Clinton campaigning, you know, there was a lot of discussion over jobs and coal. And um, as uh, with Senator Sanders going to McDowell County, you know, a lot of people make jokes about West Virginia, about the poverty, about the 
education level people. But what a lot of people don't realize is that West Virginia is full of some of the most resilient, passionate, and dedicated people I've ever met. Yes, I'm still young, but living in a lot of places, the people that I met and got to know, particularly during my experience with the West Virginia water crisis, people are very resistant, resilient, they're very engaged and empowered. But you know, when you have a system where you have your Democrats and your Republicans, when you have your party system, basically, or when you have your government, it's completely lock, stock, and barrel. When you have very few advocates, grassroots, you know, organizers, you have very few advocates in the system, it can seem like a very daunting and uphill battle. It just seems like people are fighting battles on so many different fronts. I'm sure some of my friends who organize and work, you know, in low-income and inner-city communities across the country, and people who might, maybe if you do immigrants' rights work, you might ha understand that feeling, of feeling like both sides are against you. Um, so when I look at West Virginia, and I look at this election where, where we're having right now tonight, the primary results that are coming in, this is an opportunity for West Virginia to break away from traditional held notions of political ways of thinking and doing business and really finally putting their foot down when it comes to industry, primarily the coal industry. Um, coal is king in West Virginia, you know, coal is king. But it's, it's you know, there was, there were some issues last week. I'll just recap a little bit, you know, because I really thought I'd have a lot more time to talk about um, primary. I thought, you know, I thought this would be like other weeks where the numbers are dragging in or they're not going to actually call it. MSNBC called it like right away. I just got the text from Bernie that, that, that West Virginia went for Bernie tonight. Um, and, you know, there was a tweet, a tweet some local West Virginia commenter saying that West Virginians voted for Bernie Sanders because they wanted to troll Hillary. Here's the thing about anyone that knows anything about West Virginia, right? West Virginians are very proud. They're very determined and they're very stuck in their opinions and their ways, for better or worse. You know, voting for Bernie Sanders is as much about what people want to see and believe as they see the path forward for leadership for themselves as it is rejecting that hoity-toity, high-fluting way of doing business that has done nothing but continue to poison our water, has continued to, you know, deprive our children of ad adequate opportunities, engagement, you know, left a an economy that is devoid of real economic engagement. There's like no diversification in economic options. You know, really, I mean, we talk about so many places like if any of you checked out the Millennial Roundtable, some of the candidates, I believe it was Bianca Pecco from New Hampshire, you know, made this point. I think a couple of other candidates might have made this point too, about having to find ways to attract youth and young professionals back to the state and talk about New Hampshire. You have the same issue in West Virginia. You know, one of the conversations I've seen people have is how do we stop the brain drain on our economy, losing some of the brightest and most talented people. Like after the water crisis, for example, in Charleston, there were so many people, myself included, who left the state. You know what I'm saying? There are so many people who leave after graduating high school and go to other schools because they're, they're recruited and offered more opportunities. And so when do we get to a point where we put the priority on investing in our, not just investing in leadership, landscape, but when do we really look at investing in the people? Because it's our human capital, it's our people, you know, we look at investing in our environmental protections and safety. That is what really makes a state like West Virginia wild and wonderful. It's the people, it's the beautiful, majestic mountains. I mean, I can go on and on about West Virginia forever. You know, you guys definitely go check out the video I did last week, the interview I did last Tuesday with Chris Hale with Friends of Water. There's so many groups. There's advocates for a, a safe water system. Um, there's OVEC, Ohio Environmental 
Mental Council, I believe, is, is the acronym. You know, there's, there's, there's like tons of groups out there, not just in West Virginia. But I speak about West Virginia because I know West Virginia. I've met people from West Virginia. So um, I know I saw a few posts on Facebook about, you know, campaign irregularities. Not really sure if there's anything like that going on this evening as well. But if we get some numbers in, like some actual numbers to share with you guys, I'll definitely pop in and share that. You know, thank you all again for tuning in this Tuesday. Um, I will be joined by Corey Bush at about 8.20. Um, Corey Bush is running for U.S. Senate. So exciting. I'm so here for this. I'm so excited to talk to her. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's just pretty much, you know, the gist of, you know, the West Virginia landscape. And I am really interested to see who's going to come out on top in that governor's race. Like I said, I think if you have Senator Kessler, if you have um, former U.S. Attorney Booth Goodwin, I think the state will be in really good hands. I kind of lean towards Booth only because I know people who know, you know, I, I've met him. I've seen him and, you know, our kids were in a similar Boy Scout pack. I mean, so I know a lot of really good people that support him and people whose judgment I trust. A couple of those people also support Secretary Clinton. So, you know, I'm like, eh, no, I'm joking. No, seriously. Um, shout out to Karen Island, um, uh, Charleston City Council. Maya and I, I mean, so many really great people in West Virginia doing really wonderful work. Um, so I want to, you know, kick it off with a quote from Mosley Braun. I think, I think quoting Carol Mosley Braun, I mean, yes, it's, it's no coincidence, it's purposeful that I quote Carol Mosley Braun, our only African-American um, U.S. Senator, woman Senator. Um, it's no coincidence that I quote her on the night that I interviewed for the U.S. Senate. Right. Um, her quote is defining myself as opposed to being defined by others is one of the most difficult challenges that I face. And that actually runs throughout this campaign. I think when we think about that quote in that term, you know, it, it definitely informs everything we're doing across this campaign, too. Right. Like we have to define for ourselves what this progressive movement is, what it means to be a Bernie supporter, what it means for people who we call Bernie Kratz to be Bernie Kratz. Right. You know, defining ourselves, self-determination, it is so intrinsic to the work that we're doing and finding a need to rebuke and refute false narratives of like the Bernie bro, the overzealous Bernie supporter, the out-of-touch Bernie supporter. I saw some piece earlier that said that, um, for example, 50%, I think it was 50% of those who voted for Bernie Sanders this evening, um, they were saying that they would vote for Trump in the fall if he was the Kent nominee. I well, you know, they would vote for Trump, right? If I was given their choices in the fall. And they were like, well, shows what that means about the Bernie supporters. Statistics are really interesting thing. We have this internal dialogue going on here at the Progressive Army about exit polls and statistics and numbers. Statistics can mean whatever the presenter makes them mean, right? You have these raw numbers and then you make them fit a narrative. Um, to say that Bernie supporters who voted for Bernie, people who voted for Bernie Sanders in West Virginia, now I'm going to be real, I know quite a few Republicans in West Virginia who did vote for Bernie Sanders. More conservative leaning who also voted for Bernie Sanders, but they do not like Hillary Clinton for the variety of reasons they don't do not like her. Now, some people say, well, people voted for her in 2008. Yeah. It was a very different landscape and climate, I think, politically in 2008. And I think a point I saw also, to quote someone from Twitter, that, um, you know, people are tired of establishment politics. When in 2014, when the uh, House, the West Virginia House, 
Well, West Virginia legislature was, was an 80 year democratic stronghold. And Republicans basically ran on the fact that, oh, the, you let the Dems run. They've been doing all this stuff. They're so bad for you, blah, blah, blah. It was like some of the lowest, as abysmally low voter turnout. You know, the Democratic Party absolutely dropped the ball. Republicans take over the West Virginia legislature and come in. You know, they try to push through all these different crazy, and everyone's like pulling out their hair once the next session comes in because it's like, oh my God, they absolutely gutted the warrant protection bill that many people was, was a, it was a bipartisan effort in the 2014 session. By 2015, they have gutted it. It had everyone convinced that it was a bad idea. Um, and, and industry supported. So, you know, what does that mean? It means that people are tired. People are tired of the same old, same old. They want somebody different. They want somebody new. And no, they're not going to line up behind, you know, your standard barrier of establishment. Um, because the establishment has not paid off from the hills to the hollers to the hood. I mean, we need change. We need real change. And we continue to look forward. We continue to talk about, you know, I'm in really enjoying talking to uh, progressive candidates who are up and coming. There's all this hoopla about burning, not supporting down ballots. The way this movement is growing, we are supporting down ballots, right, guys? Like, we are providing the, the tools. We're probably providing, you know, the, the opportunity, the funding for those of you who donate and help fundraise. We're helping to build this movement. There are some really great groups out there. I just found out about Grassroots Select. Um, there's brand new Congress, which is looking towards 2018 and not really in place right now, 2016, but grand, grassroots select from what I've seen is working here in 2016. You have Democrat, democracy for America. There are all these groups out there that are, there are, that are on the same page as us. So we need to figure out how to leverage opportunity, right? Because yes, Bernie Sanders, it's great to be working for him, to really be grinding and supporting him. But we have all these other people running and all these other races that we have to figure out as well. So. I'm really excited to talk to Corey when she comes on here with me. This is awesome. Um, we'll get into a few headlines. So I will also, I'll check in and see what's going on on the Republican side. Apparently, um, Ted Cruz has said, we'll see where this goes, but Ted Cruz has said that he will jump back in the race. He'll reactivate his campaign if he wins Nebraska. Good luck with that, bro. Um, there was also some talk earlier in the week about uh, whether or not um, Romney would jump in as a third party. There's basically a committee that's coming together to see if that's possible. And some of the Republican rank and file is starting to, to, to meet with Trump and get in line. So we'll see how the, all that shakes out on the other side. Tend not to focus on the other side because I'm kind of progressive politics focused. We do really need to know what else is going on who we're going up against and what kind of challenges and obstacles we may be facing in the long run. Um, but let me see. So that was, that was, that's Cruz. You know, he might be restarting his campaign if he wins in Nebraska. The Republicans have West Virginia and Nebraska, um, I believe tonight. Um, it was really interesting. Some hoopla happened on Twitter with his wife. His wife made a, his, his struggle, I guess, slavery with the, the, the fight to end slavery or whatever. She said it took 25 years to abolish slavery. Um, I'm not really sure what points she's counting. Uh, you know, she got some pushback from, you know, DeRay and others on Twitter. I find it really interesting when we choose to call out the ignorance and privilege 
of to kind of piggyback on Ben from the other night, we, 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 it's easy to call out the other side. It takes a lot more courage, I think, to call out people on our side. It's similarly ridiculous commentary. I think people are more than like, we give people passes when we should not give people passes. If we're going to go hard on people on issues of privilege and racial justice and things like that, then we need to be consistent across the board. Um, the other thing that was really interesting did not happen um, this week. It happened a couple of days ago, but the hoopla, the brouhaha. Um, last week, I started doing my like sister circle shout out. I have to figure out a better name for it. But I was going to, there, there is a picture of these phenomenal uh, graduates of West Point, right? It is a group of them. It's, it's like a dozen of them. They're graduated from West Point. And there is a big hoopla over the fact that they pose with their fists up. Um, you know, there's an investigation now whether they were engaging political activity while they're in uniforms. I guess it's a violation of a rule. Discussion now about whether or not this was appropriate. Should they have, because they put their fists up, what does that mean? I mean, you would have thought they were throwing up gang signals while in uniform or 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 or, or something else equally offensive, right? Like the, the the fists, the black power fists, it's only a black power fist because it's black people. You know, Bernie Sanders, if you ever watch him speak, often, you know, does this when he speaks. It's a sign of it's a universal sign of solidarity, empowerment, you know. All types of stuff, right? But when it's on a black person, it becomes a symbol of militancy or anger or anti-establishmentism or something like that. Do we allow black people, and in this case, black women, to just express themselves like anyone else, right? Up in the air is a symbol of so many things, a symbol of triumph. You know, I think about when I first saw Nelson Mandela. When I was a kid in the 90s, Nelson Mandela came to Harlem as part of basically his victory tour, right, after he was released from prison. Um, we didn't actually go. We were living in New York at the time. We didn't actually go down there. It was too crazy. We were, I was probably about 11, I guess, maybe. But I remember watching it on TV with my grandmother, and it was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. All these people from all over the place. And, you know, Nelson, that, that was, I remember that image of Nelson Mandela smiling, happy, but his fist up, right? That's the symbol of success of freedom, of accomplishment, of victory, of triumph. And to see these young women, like when I first saw the picture of them, I was like, wow, this is such a powerful image because you have these young women who have, one, West Point, if you guys know anything about West Point, you already know, West Point is extremely hard to get into, right? Like it's, it's top of the line, it's extremely hard. So to have so many of them come through at one time together has a huge triumph. Right. I remember when we graduated from law school, when I was in law school, my first year of law school, I went to law school in West Virginia. West Virginia is not a very diverse state, it's probably like two to three percent black, something very minuscule like that. Um, we were there were 16 of us that identified as African-American as black in my first year of class out of like 160. So we were about 10 percent, which for West Virginia, that's really good, considering our law school class had a greater percentage of black people than the actual state itself. So by the time we graduated, I think like 14 of us graduated with that class. Um, so it's still a decent sized number, but there was still like in our little was a real sense of pride of accomplishment. Like we really overcame something because we're in an environment where we're in not just a minority because, you know, black people in America are a minority, but we're in a hyper minority. Right. So so anything that we did at that moment would have been 
looked at because we're noticeable, but at the same time, it was such an empowering experience. So of course, it's not the same thing like going to, like graduating from West Point, but I just think of this, this controversy, you know, if we had, you know, a bunch of white grads posing with sunglasses or something, something else, you know, would we have this big national controversy now with an investigation, all this other stuff? I think not. Um, so, looking for my notes, because I mean, there's there's just a lot that happens that goes on in a day. Um, there was an article from, ah, oh, yes. There has been another round of attacks on burnt, I'm talking about attacking character. So that's basically what this is all about. There's an, another round of attacks now um, on Bernie Sanders' medical plan. Because since he won't go away quietly, they're going to try to beat him down so, so bad. But here's the problem with the calculus, right? You're attacking Bernie. You're attacking plan policies, you know, applications. Applications that people absolutely agree with. Um, applications that people absolutely agree with. You know, you're shutting this all down. But you're going to need us down the line. So you got to tread lightly, guys, right? So, like, we, so, they, so there were attacks. It was like a Washington Post article, like, basically about, how, basically calling saying Bernie's living in La La Land. And there's a brilliant piece um, by Stephanie Woolhandler and David Himmelstein. Um, I found it from CommonDreams.org. Brilliant piece, basically going over the main points and why all the controversy, why all the claims about single health pay, you know, Bernie's single payer plan are absolutely ridiculous, right? Because they don't, they don't take into consideration administrative savings. It does not take into consideration, uh, you know, the, the addressing drug costs, utilization of care. There are all these factors that are absolutely not considered. So when you're seeing all these articles out there saying. Bernie Sanders is going to add all this money to the debt, or Bernie Sanders is living in a pipe dream, or he can't account for this. They're not accounting for all these other provisions that we currently are bearing right now, the burden we currently have with health care. That's not being taken into consideration mm. in any of these mm. figures. So it's completely skewed and unbalanced to the point to, to try and dissuade those of us who are still actively engaged in moving forward. Like, seriously. The last article, because I see I see, I see Pastor Bush has joined us. Um, the last article I just want to briefly mention was another piece from Sean King. No, Sean probably doesn't even know that I mentioned his articles, right? Like I'm just so I'm so low on the totem pole. But anyway, Sean King had a piece today talking about how Democrats really need to change their mind about Hillary Clinton. Um, part of that issue comes from three new polls that came out today that in swing states. She is statistically tied with Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is actually leading her in one poll in Ohio. Like, everyone can keep talking about how we can't have Donald Trump be president. We can't have, you know, we can't have. You said you want me to test it? No. You know, we can't have Donald Trump be president. We can't do this. We have to stop him. Y'all should have thought about that the past few months. Everybody that's been, been hanging out on the sidelines, everybody's like, oh, this is a disaster. Oh, this. You know, y'all been playing really comfortable. And, you know, you've been trying to play both sides of the fence. Yes, Elizabeth Warren, I respect you very much, but I'm most definitely talking about you. You know, we can't say now we need to stop Donald Trump. 
This is the monster that everybody created. And I blame, blame right at Bill Clinton's feet, right? Bill Clinton, reportedly, there are, there are tons of mainstream news articles that document the conversation. You know, Bill Clinton met with Donald Trump before he announced, along with another polit along with the political strategist, to discuss his strategy before he, he ran. Who, who, who's to blame if Donald Trump becomes president? Not me, because I don't support your girl. That's, that's on you guys. You know, my focus, if that is the outcome, is on making sure that we have really great people, you know, in Congress to make sure that we can get stuff done despite. But I really think that we do, the point of Sean's article is that we really do need to rethink what we're doing right now because in every matchup that's happening, she's barely beating Donald Trump. And in the case of Ohio, she's actually losing to him. And Bernie Sanders, of course, continues to blow Donald Trump out of the water. I don't know if it's that a lot of people didn't realize that the difference that you had to vote for Bernie in the primary, and you know, if you didn't, you know, I don't, I don't know what the difference is. But there's a lot of people who would support Bernie Sanders in the general election, even though he's down right now in terms of pledged delegates. So really, so what can you do? You can get on the phone. You can phone bank. If you are in New Jersey, California, Oregon, you can canvas, get out the vote. Do whatever you can. Face bank is a new thing people are doing, but do your part. But don't stop there. Continue to organize and, and engage in your actual community so that you have built, you know, the base for helping to engage people in your state and local elections as well as congressional races in your area because that's equally important, right? I mean, I know that, that we're still very much focused on the presidential election, and I'm not going to talk about the Green Party right now. We, we can have a Green Party conversation soon, but not at the moment because we're still very much in the midst of Democratic primary season. So I am ready to turn it over. I am so excited. Um, I just read an article today called Protest Politics, Black Women in Leadership. I was so excited to see an article written so powerfully about the woman that we're going to talk to right now, um, Pastor Cori Bush. Very exciting. This article was is in today's Huffington Post. It is written by David Raglan, um, and it's like at the beginning he has a clip from Alice Walker's Democratic Womanism, and it says, "You ask me why I smile when you tell me you intend in the coming national elections to hold your nose." and vote for the lesser of two evils. There are more than two evils out there, is one reason I smile. And he continues on to, to talk about Corey and why he's happy that at least in one race, he does not have to hold, hold his nose. So I'm not going to talk too much more. I'm going to drop this in. We're going to drop this into YouTube. But we're going to now talk with, with Pastor Corey Bush. And so you can see why I am excited to speak with her this evening. So, okay, so 6% in... Hello? Hi. Hi. How are you? Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can hear you. How are you All doing right. this evening? I'm great. How are Thank you? you. <laughs> I am good. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a this, this is very exciting for me. Um can you please just just give us a brief introduction, introduce yourself to the sure. to the group and uh just tell us a little about yourself. Okay. Um, my name is Corey Bush. I am a, the um, U.S. Senate candidate here in Missouri. Um, 
I am a mother of two teenagers. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a Ferguson activist. Um, I am an ordained pastor. Uh, and I am pushing for change. I'm running until I can't run anymore. And, um, you know, I just feel like the best thing to do is just to keep going and, you know, to be fearless in this thing. We were fearless in Ferguson, so that's what I'm taking to the Senate with me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What made you get into, what made you, what led you into politics and then what made you jump into this particular race? Okay, so I never, never, I guess, really thought about being a politician or especially not a U.S. Senate candidate, you know, not going to, going to Capitol Hill. Uh, but right. I think it's because uh, we did so much in Ferguson. So I grew up under a politician. My father's been a politician for 30 years. So I've watched okay. him, seen everything that he went through. Um, he's been a campaign manager for others. He's been, um, he was a mayor of a municipality here in St. Louis and um, he's been alderman. Mm -hmm. So I've watched, you know, all of that. I was able to be on the inside of it and to see the inner workings, see the corruption, see the good, see the bad, see the, you know, how he was able to help, you know, people and also see how a regular person was able to make a change because to me he was dad but when he walked out of those doors he really helped people so um but i went the way of ministry so he he was in politics i went ministry but um when ferguson happened you know just go just running out there being out there wanting to see change um and like i said just a regular everyday person all of us you know we just went out there to see change right. we didn't go out there with the idea of you know um we want to be you know anybody special it was just this is wrong so um so right. but with all that we did out there day after day night after night week after week month after month most people don't know we protested more than 400 days you know so um with mm -hmm. all of that okay yeah and so the thing is a movement is supposed to move it's supposed to evolve it's supposed to change you know and so to me it was like the next step was with all that we did one thing that we found out was we, we things that we thought were laws weren't laws. Things that we thought were not laws right. were laws. You know, and it was just ignorance that on our part. You know, we just didn't know certain things, and so we were. It put us in bad positions, and so now um, I feel like the next step, if with all that work that we did, to me it would be in vain if we didn't start moving into the places where they make those laws. You know, where those laws right. are changed. Where, you know, so why? And if someone may. Some people have asked me, well, why U.S. Senate? Why go so high first? Why not do, you know, dog mm -hmm. catcher or something, you know, first? <laughs> <laughs> right, you know. Um, and for, uh, the first thing about that is I watched my father go up through those ranks. You know, I've watched that. And so to me, your your mm -hmm. your parents should be your, found, you know, how high they go, that should, be the found, that should be the foundation for you. That's, you know, their ceiling is your foundation. So if I have to go back through the same ranks he went through, then I can only get as far as he went. And so I feel like whatever he did now, I can come on top of that and then go further. So with that and then the fact that right. no, one else, no one else, and I, you know, I did endorse Bernie Sanders. Um, and so no one else right, right now in, in the state of Missouri that's running as a U.S. Senate candidate has come out and officially endorsed Bernie Sanders or the, or the platform, you know, and for me, um, right. that platform speaks to me. Right, 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 right. And what, 
And I, I remember I've, I saw the clip of you when you spoke. You introduced him um, when ahead of the Missouri primary. I saw that clip. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it though about? And I read the the, the press, the article and stuff. Um, but what was it about? You know, because we we hear so much, right? Bernie doesn't appeal to black people. Bernie can't do this. What is it though about his? Considering you know your own background, what you've experienced and stuff, what you stand for. What is it about the Bernie Sanders platform though that appealed to you that made that seem like the the way for you to go? Okay. So, in terms of endorsing him or supporting him. Okay. Um, first, I'm all about the 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 root of what I'm doing is um, a love of humanity. Regardless of who you are, what you who, regardless of who you are, what you've done, what you're still doing, what I think is right or wrong, just loving humanity. I think that that's what's missing in um, in uh, the United States Senate right now is people that just start off with a love, you know, letting that be the the uh, prerequisite for the position, you know. So um, right. and so with that comes uh, genuineness. With that comes uh, humility and and um, and so. I, to me, that's what spoke first about him, because when you look through the history of the things that he said, the things that he's done, it's been consistent. It's, and I understand evolving. People evolve. You know, I've evolved, you know. Right. But, but when this man has been speaking to the issues that um, have faced people, um, the marginalized communities and communities of all different kinds that cross di- different dif- uh, demographics, that speaks to me because that's who that's how I live that's where I walk and not only that the people that I right. serve that's that's their life that's their everyday life and he's been fighting for it for years right 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 so as we're looking towards okay so as we're looking towards you know representing Missouri what are some of the what are some of the issues, the needs and priorities that you're seeing that need to be at the forefront in, in Missouri that are not being addressed uh, currently or that need to be better addressed? Okay. Um, well, for one, um, Missouri, well, let me start with St. Louis. St. Louis is uh, okay. number one on the, on the FBI's lit, uh, crime list. We're number one, we're number one in homicide rate um, across the country. Um, uh, Kansas City, I think is 12 or something like that. Uh, Missouri has a D rating in education. Um, we are the most unbanked uh, community in the country. You know, we don't, so we have more check cash in places than we have um, you know, um, any seems like almost anything. Well, what I what I was told was we have more check uh, cash in places than we have McDonald's. You know, in our state, we have um, so many. We have more wow. people, more people um, in this state than any other state that do not have bank accounts. You know, so all of those things seem to tie in. You know, they tie into each other. I think that you can't address um, and and then poverty. Poverty is such a big issue, but you can't address. Um, our education right. system without addressing the poverty, and you can't address the poverty without addressing the education system, and then you can't address either one of those right. without the criminal justice system. So I think all of those are tied in, um, and tied in with that is the school to prison pipeline. We Missouri um, was number one for school suspensions for elementary students. We uh, like it's like 27 percent of the elementary st- black elementary students in this state have been um, suspended from school you know and so with all of those things being um, the forefront of what uh, the problems that were fa- some of the problems that we're facing 
um, uh, who is really there to speak to those issues. And it's not just it's not just those issues, but those are some of the first things that I'll be addressing. Okay, okay. And how do you feel, I know you talked a little bit about it in the beginning, but how do you feel like your experience as an ordained, you know, in, in ministry and community activism, how do you feel like that has informed your campaign mm -hmm. as you're in the process of running for office? Um, well, first of all, um, to take off the eyes of judgment. You know, and some people actually mm -hmm. think that that's the problem. They, you know, well, I won't say problem, but right. they automatically assume that um, I'm judging, you know, that I come in with a place of judgment, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I don't, you know, I stand for human rights. I stand for equality. And, right. um, you know, so uh, I think just that, the fact that the core of my Bible that I read is love, that's what right. I want to bring. That's what I want to bring to the world. That's, that's what changes the world. That's what changed me because I was a different person some years ago, a completely different person. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have to stand for everyone. And, and people disagree with me when I say this, but, you know, even for when we're talking about um, let's talk about criminal justice and we talk about um, right. me, police accountability. You know, I'm not anti-police. Yes, I'm a Ferguson activist and I stand on that. I, I organize protests, all of that. I stand on that. You can't take that from me. And, I, and if it's a protest breaking out tonight, I'm out there. But, um, <laughs> you know, you know um, but um, the thing is this, when you want the accountability, that you know, and we want accountability. We want transparency. We want to get away from the brutality and the fool. It's foolishness to me. But um, uh, the the issue is, if that if there was a person and they said, oh well, you know, he was armed and you know, or she was armed and that's why I killed this person. To me, um, I have a problem with that feeling like that was that person deserved it because they had a gun. You know, and, right. you, and people think that that's wrong. They think it's the wrong thing. But to me. At one point in my life, I was a different person. I was that person that could have had that gun, you know. But right. because somebody didn't chop my life down, thinking that I did, that I was undeserving to live, because they made that decision as a human being with no different color blood than what we than what I have, because no one made that decision. I was still here. I'm still here, and I was able to affect lives. Someone came into my life and changed my life, and now I've affected lives all across the country, you know. And so. Who's to say that that person that was chopped down wasn't supposed to be the next somebody that would have right. changed the world? Wow, that's so like, that's why I stand. That is that is so the way you just put that is just so it's so basic, right? Like it's just it comes from just a simple no, no, no. Like seriously, like a simple like human. Everybody deserves a chance because you never know what can happen for the future. But so many people just just completely, you know. Just throw that aside and don't even don't even look at the young people or old people in front of them as somebody with potential who could contribute something. Like right. that is just so powerful the way you just said that. Oh um, no, seriously, because I think that we do. We need we need leadership. We need leadership that can stand for people, not just the people who already fit into whatever box that personally benefits them. Right. But we need to stand for the possibilities of people and give them the opportunities to contribute to our communities and society as a whole. Um, no, yes. I really, that is so, like, I, like the reason, the reason why I wanted to talk to you and the reason why I wanted everybody to see you is because from what I've read about you and what I've read about, um, from, from watching and observing a Ferguson, I think to see people, you know, take their activism and experience, right, mm -hmm. and, and, and then step out and choose to lead, we always have this conversation about that transition from activist to politician. Like, mm -hmm. how do you see being able to, to make that transition 
like how do you, or, or maybe even balance maybe sometimes the tension that comes from having had that foot in the activist world and then having that foot now, you know, in the yeah. political arena. Yeah. Well, for me, it it I'm seeing how it's going hand in hand because the thing is, those okay. those same people that I was out there standing with and fighting with are people who were hurt, or people who felt voiceless, you know, in their own home um, because this thing didn't happen away from us. You know, it's not like we could get it on a plane right. and go away. You know, this happened in our backyard. This happened in our homes. So. Um, we are. We all felt this way of um, hopelessness and helplessness in our own town, in our own city, in our own country. So because of right. that, um, we built a coalition. You know that um, we built. We have Latinos in Action, uh, Palestinian Solidarity Committee, uh, Asian Pacific Islanders for Black Lives, and our LGBTQ right. community. There's so many of us um, that stood together. You know our white allies. Um, so many of us that stood together. We were able to take the hurt and the pain and the disgust, put it to and, and put it into one into one, you know, make it focused in one area. And then and that's what I plan to take with me when I go to the United States Senate, because the thing mm -hmm. is, you can't go. You you need not go there if you don't have the people with you. And for me, the people will never be separated from me, because one thing that happened to me was that that stuck in my heart, that drove, you know, it was like wedged in my heart, the struggles of the Palestinian people that live here in Missouri and, and you know, even our, our Bosnian community, so many, it, that's in me now. You can't take it from me. And that's the part that's missing in the United States Senate. Do they stand up for us? How many of the 100 are standing up for all of these communities that are crying out right now? Yes, that is, that is so crucial. Um, to, to hear you say not just that, you know, because when someone says, oh, you're, they're a Ferguson activist, people automatically think of, you know, Mike Brown, Black Lives Matter, and that's, that's it. People don't understand the diversity and ranging issues in communities, right, that have been um, interacted with. You know, it's like a bridge has been built across issues and communities. Yes. It's not just this one, you know, Exactly. 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 And and you how and for me, there is a there is a fire in me to change the world and think and and I'm not afraid to do it. Ferguson taught me. Ferguson taught me how uh, fearless I could be. And I can and let me take it back. It may not even be fearless so much it is as the um, my desire to see change and my desire to help the people is greater than any fear of what they could do to me or any fear of what could happen. So mm -hmm. because of that, because I was able and we, not just me, we were able to withstand right. tanks day after day, tear gas, beatings. I was stomped by the police like I was a rag doll. They treated me. I was stomped by about six or eight police officers in, in, in steel toe boots or whatever those boots were they had on like they were in, in the war. You know, that's that's what you know I was at the bottom of that you know but I was able to get back up and come right back out and get back out in the fight and the thing is even with all of that what I, I've seen my friends hog tied and hung, hung upside down on batons and 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 right. beat for just stepping over the white line into the street not hurting anyone and so but because of all of the, even through all of that I don't hate the police. I just want to see change. And so that's what's needed. People that can say, these are the issues. These are the things that happen. But because I love the people, I'm standing for all the people. I even stand for police because I tell you one thing. If a police officer's child was killed, gunned down 
and killed by someone, I will go and stand and march for that person mm -hmm. the same way I would for someone else. So mm -hmm. it's about really remembering that we're servants. And that's the part about even about me being a uh, ordained pastor, you know, first year servant. Right. And a nurse. I'm a nurse. You know, I'm a registered nurse. That's all we do is we serve. <laughs> how do you how do you see? And so I'm because I'm, I'm not really sure, like what like what are is it with 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 Missouri, like with the state? Like, so how do you see being able to take your message right because it's a great message, and, and I, I think when you get a chance to talk to people, you know, coming from that humanist perspective that I'm a person, you're a person with love and togetherness, we can make this a better place for everyone. I think that resonates with a lot of people, particularly on our side of the aisle, so to speak. But how do you, how, how are you and your team able to try and start getting that message out, you know, beyond the communities that are familiar with you? Um, well, for... Actually, what I've seen is just me getting in the room. So okay. once I'm able to get in the room, because sometimes when people hear it, you know, they're like, ah, love isn't what, you know, I care more about her understanding policy and the structure of government, you know, than I care, gotcha. than I care about her gotcha. wanting to serve. You know, I've, I've had heard that critique before. But then once I was able to get in the room, you know, then the whole thing changed. So right. I think it's a, a matter of just like at the at the Bernie rally when I was able to speak, so many people came up to me afterwards and was like, wow, you know, you know, I, I, I never, you know, I didn't think you had it in you, you know, you know, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I heard that. I didn't think you had it in you. But <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, but I, so I think it's just that much just being being there, being present, letting people see you. Also, and one thing about my team, they've been pushing me everywhere, everywhere. Right, I, right. I okay. Who it is, where it is, we go wherever. So, but this is the other thing. I still work full time, eight to five, Monday through Friday. You know, so I work my nursing job. Um, I'm a registered nurse for a mental health agency in St. Louis City. Um, we service the homeless, okay. the underserved, the underinsured. Um, so I spend my days doing that during the day. I'm helping um, young girls out of sex trafficking. Um, um, I am wow. escalating situations where people have guns, people have knives, people are trying to hurt each other or hurt me. I'm able to de-escalate those situations and people go home safely with medication, you know, um, back into the community. Um, and so, I mean, so my day job is completely different than when I get off work and I'm campaigning, but because of... Um, right because of the need for change got to keep going <laughs> how do you like so okay so this is not even something i had like got down to ask you how do you do it like how do you manage to do to work full time you have you have a family you mm -hmm. work full time you do all this stuff you are all these things to all these people and you're campaigning for for senate <laughs> on top of that how do you how do you manage? Because we talk so much with this, with, with, with this, you know, with politics, with all this social engagement, you know, activism. We talk about self care and, mm -hmm. and and you know, work life balance and things. Those are really great terms we hear thrown around. Right. How do you do with them? <laughs> well, how do you find time? <laughs> well, that's a good question. One good one thing I have to say is I have a great team. My team, okay. uh, they understand. They walked in the door knowing Corey can't quit her job to do this. So they walked in knowing right. that that was the biggest challenge to this um, to this campaign. So what they figured was we need to be surrogates. 
So we, I have right. several people on my campaign that will go when, you know, when I'm at work, they're going somewhere. Just like yesterday, um, there was uh, uh, in Jefferson City, Missouri, they went to Lincoln University and they met with the president of Lincoln oh, okay. University and talked about my campaign and met with some students nice. and started a rally and all of these things. And so it was three of my, three of the people on my campaign while I was at work, you know, so they're out getting the word out even when I'm working. Um, and then in the evening, you know, my kids and I, you know, my kids are teenagers, they're 15 and 16. They're so okay. excited about what I'm doing. They they support me 100%. They supported me in Ferguson. I even took them out there. So they see, they know, you know, how mommy, how mommy works. And so right. my children, let me say this, my children, I could say, hey, I got this going on and this going on. They'll say, hey, we got you. I'll come home. They've made baked chicken, macaroni and cheese and green beans, yes. you know. So, <laughs> So that helps. And then my family, my father is amazing. He's my hero. Um, so he's out there helping as well. So I have a great support system. But the other thing with that is you can do so many things that you didn't think you could do when you have when you are in your purpose. So I'm in my purpose and it wasn't my plan, it's the plan that the Lord laid before me. So because I'm in my purpose, I'm able to do things that I would not have normally been able to do. Wow. <laughs> 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 that is like so, oh my gosh, I'm trying to tweet what you're saying right now too. I'm going to have to make a note and tweet in a minute. That is so huge. Oh my gosh, that is, when you are in your purpose, you are able to do things beyond what you are normally able to do. That is so, yes. that is yes. real. Yes. Like, I mean, when people in the chat room were like, oh my God, where is where has she been? Oh my gosh, she's awesome. <laughs> I know, seriously. Do y'all see now why I had to talk to her? Um, so, okay, looking forward, what does, you know, you know, for your your campaign, like what are the needs for your campaign? Because we do have we do have a lot of people who, who follow Ben, who follow the show, um, who have been active and engaged and try to help out with, okay. with, with some of the down ballots. So just talk to us just for a little bit. What are the needs of your campaign? What are you looking? What What is it looking like for you guys going forward? Your When is your your election? Is in August? August second is the primary. It's the Democratic August? primary. Yes. Okay. And then it's yeah. So once I get past that, then I'll be ready for the general. Okay. 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 So August second is your so just 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 tell everyone just how they can you know contribute or help in any okay. way. Okay, so um, the needs of my campaign, first of all, I'm not, they're treating me like Bernie Sanders. You know, I don't get the media coverage um, like, the, like the other, uh, like my opponent. Um, they say that they won't pay the major, um, especially the major Missouri papers are saying, we won't pay you any attention until you have more money. You know, so, um, so that's an issue that I am fighting with is the money because okay. I'm not taking money, you know, from the big corporations and all of that, you know, so, um, but I'm taking, you know, it's small donors. So it's coming in kind of slow, you know, it's coming, but it's coming in slow. Um, so plus I'm traveling all about the state, you know, and I'm not able to do as much, like I said, because I'm working full time, you know, as far as fundraising, but it's, you know, it, it'll pick up. Um, but that's one thing that we need. Definitely. We need the word out that because they're saying I can't be a viable candidate if I don't have all of this money. So what I need is for people to put it out there that the media needs to pay attention to me, number one, and two, right. that, um, that, uh, to, to send in to send in money um, is uh, my website is www.coreybush.com it's c o r i b u s h dot com um, so that's a, a big thing that we need and I mean I even want to um, I want it to be sold to where the media has to pay attention to me because the people are fussing that they that they want to hear that they want right. to see me in those right, things, right, in those right. media outlets. Okay. 
Yeah, so right, um, I would say that those two things for the most part. Okay. Okay. Um, and then finally, just oh, sorry. Just anything because I gotta Ben gets on in a little bit, so I gotta kind of just wrap up. And I okay. thank you so much, and I would love to talk to you again some more. Yeah. Um, follow up via email or whatever, because. You know, I want to, because, yeah, however we can help try to boost your presence, okay. we want to do that. Okay. Because um, you are somebody that we definitely need, not just representing Missouri and the U.S. Senate, but we need people with your heart and your your, your vision in a Senate making decisions for all of us. <laughs> um, just just how do you, just, just, just any quick final thoughts on how you see things going forward as we talk about, you know, being involved in this progressive movement and just... Right building long term. Um, so one thing that I did want to say is no matter what happens in my race, I know that the um, people are able to see, especially young girls, you know, regardless mm. of their skin color, you know, black girls definitely, but, uh, but regardless of whatever the skin color is, see that, you know what, I can be so much more than what they thought I could be. So because I went to a place where I was told that I shouldn't go because I should be fearful of going to this place running for the U.S. Senate, because I was able to, to knock down that wall, especially here in Missouri, um, I'm looking forward to so many others stepping into positions that people said that they could not or should not, um, because no one in Missouri has ever, no black person in Missouri has ever won statewide. So that's one thing that I'm hoping to see. Um, and then also, um, I think moving forward, having um, having people not be afraid to be who they are and taking it to the next place. Because mm -hmm. so, so many times your your people come to you and they say, oh, in order to be a congressional candidate, in order to be you know a, sen a senatorial candidate, you have to look this way, talk this way, this you have mm -hmm. to speak this way, you have to this, you know, and ah. I can't do that. You know, I can only be me. I, I can't. I can't right. change. You know, that's why I still have these. You know, I rock right. my braids. I rock my braids because, you know, I'm me. You know, I can't, uh, I, I don't wear pearls, you know. So I, I, you know, right now I have on a Cori Bush t-shirt. You can't really see it, but I have on my t-shirt. You know, I'm who I am. You know, and so that's what I want people to take. Because just think about it. If people were really who they are in politics, you know, how much different would the world be versus somebody saying you must conform to this, 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 and that. Right, right, right. The people you serve aren't conformed. The people you serve are, are individuals. So that's what I want to see. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So I'm going to need to get a shirt, and yes. I appreciate you so much. No, seriously, I need to get a shirt, and I'm going to do I also admin African Americans for Bernie on Facebook. Um, okay. There's a group and there's a page. The page okay. has about 25,000. So I okay. am going to have, I'm going to get, between me or one of the admins, I am going to get you up on our page in the next, 24 hours because you, awesome. I'm a fan, I'm not just a fan, like I'm a part of the movement. So yeah. thank you so much for joining us. And, and again, let's continue talking. I appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Have a good evening and you shout too. out to the rest of the team. Squad. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. So that's the week for tonight, May 10th, Tuesday. Um, we had some numbers come in finally, like they called it for Bernie, but Bernie was up, I think it was 48, 6, 48.6 to 42, um, with 19% and that was a few minutes ago. So, so it's still trickling in, you know, Ben will probably have more numbers for you later on. Uh, we'll keep feeding him numbers. I'll tweet out some stuff. I'll tweet out more information about, uh, Corey Bush. 
thank you all so much for tuning in. You know, I know it gets a little weird with, you know, the schedule because we go early on Monday, on Tuesdays and then it's even earlier on Thursdays, but y'all just keep hanging in with us with Progressive Army. Um, wrap it up to close it out because, you know, this is what I do. To quote Shirley, Shirley Chisholm, you don't make progress by standing on the sidelines whimpering and complaining. You make progress by implementing ideas. We got work to do for the rest of Army. Till next week, thank you.